and welcome to this week's episode of the Library Girl and Book Boy podcast. Today I am doing something a little bit different. We are talking to Antonia Lloyd-Jones who is a translator of children's books from Polish to English. I'm talking to her particularly about her work with Pavel Pavluk on his book Oscar Seeks a Friend from Lantana Publishing but also about all the fantastic work that she and other translators do to get children's literature from other countries published in the UK. It is fascinating, you are in for a treat. Hello everyone, we are very lucky today because rather than speaking to an author or an illustrator of children's books, we are talking to a translator of children's books. I'm chatting um, this evening with Antonia Lloyd-Jones, who is the translator for a new book from Lantana Publishing, Oscar Seeks a Friend, which has been written by Pavel Pavlak, and we're going to find out a bit more about that today and about the process of translating children's books and translated books in general. So hi there, Antonia. Hello. Thank you very much for inviting me to join the podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you. No, thank you so much for coming on. It's really interesting to have a different perspective to the children's publishing world on the podcast today. So thank you for agreeing to chat with me. Um, So some of the questions I want to ask We've asked um, Pavel, and you have translated his responses. So yeah. um, you will be giving responses on his behalf. So people listening, make sure you're paying attention as to who's answering the question. Don't fall asleep. Right. So my first question was to Pavel, and I just asked him to explain a little bit to us about what Oscar Seeks a Friend was all about. And I believe you have his response for us. Yes, I do. Um, Pavel is not just the author of the text, but he is the illustrator because he's yes. very much a, a, a graphic artist and artist for whom the whole book is his work. Um, so what he said was, as the title says, it's the story of a little skeleton boy who's feeling ugly and lonely, and he'd really like to find a friend. Um, And in fact, it's a story about friendship and love, about togetherness, about getting to know each other, and about accepting difference. So that was Pavel's answer. Thank you. And um, I I know that you said that he was the illustrator as well, and I have to say it is... A gorgeous book it looks to me as a lot of his work is done through collage and using paper that's right it's exquisite he everything he does is perfection and he puts a huge amount of work into it and I've been very lucky because I went to his studio at his house outside the city of Wrocław in Poland and I saw how he works and his wife is also an uh, illustrator called Eva Kozira and they also produce books together and every little detail is just immaculately um, taken care of and really they are very very talented both of them. It, they are, it is stunning and very unique I haven't seen a picture book that's been illustrated in the same way before I think he has a really distinctive style doesn't he absolutely and he has quite a range so he has quite a lot of collage books 
but he also does watercolors and um, drawings and um, is very versatile. And he quite often writes the story himself as well as illustrating it. So clever. So one of my questions for him was, as he is also an artist, I wanted to know if when he's creating a story, sometimes the character popped into his head first as an image or whether the plot came first and then the character grew out of that. And I think you have his answer for us. I do. What he said was that, first of all, it's the character that appears. And then he thinks up the story for the character and the world that that character lives in. Um, and he says that in the first place, he's an illustrator. And very often what starts his books off are entire scenes that he later tries to build up into complete stories. So, for instance, a small gang of dwarves in long capes and tall hats walking through a snow-coated forest and carrying in their hands a little star or a sky filled with fantastic clouds with figures rising among them with huge chimneys on their backs. Gosh, it's such a vivid image, isn't it? Yes. It's amazing. So he's building things up all the time. Mm. So he's very much driven by the visuals first and then the, the story develops out of those. Yes. Interesting. Thank you. And um, this one was for you as a translator. I wanted to know um, what some of the challenges of translating children's books um, you, you have found. Yes. Well, uh, as with any translation, there's the usual need to recreate the voice of the original. Um, but the language of children's books can be quite specific. So it does require some careful thought. So in this book, for instance, there are a few puns that are based on comical ideas of what a skeleton might be expected to say. Mm. So, for instance, Oscar says he has a he has a missing tooth at the beginning of the book. And he says it makes him look in Polish fatalnie, which is a word which just means awful. But there's also a kind of hidden association with fatal which, of course, is a dead creature, <laughs> seems appropriate. And there's a point where he says, I stopped dead in the English. Mm. And that was my translation for the Polish word zamarłem, which absolutely literally means I died. But figuratively, it means I died on the spot or I stopped in my tracks. Right. And then one of the very significant things in this book is the name of the character, He's called Oscar, but in Polish he's called Ignatek. And that's the diminutive for the name Ignacy, which corresponds in English to Ignatius, which is, of course, not a name that's exactly popular these days. Yeah. But in Polish, Ignacy is still a fairly common boy's name without sounding old-fashioned. Mm -hmm. um, but Gnat means a bone. So Ignatek includes a pun as well as being a reasonable name for a nice little boy. So I, my original suggestions were to call him either Scully or Bonyface, which is like Ignazi, is a Catholic name. Um, but Alice Curry, who's the owner and founder of Lantana and also the wonderful editor there, wasn't convinced by those. She didn't think that they worked for a um, 
English-speaking children. And, you know, she knows her job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she wanted to call him Iggy, but I wasn't convinced by that because I felt it missed out on the bone pun. And as I'm middle-aged, it made me think of Iggy Pop, who's scary but not very sweet like the skeleton character. (laughs) So then Alice and her colleagues had a really good idea because they bought the book on the strength of a rough translation that the Polish publisher sent them, in which uh, Ignatek was called Ossie, picking up on the bone connection Mm -hmm. because of the root os. And that made them think of Oscar. And I agreed that that's a very good name for our hero. Very Um, clever. And then one of the things with translation is that the illustration is very important. I can never just translate the text of a children's book. I might accidentally contradict the pictures. And um, so I do need to see the pictures. And then Polish children's books, they very often have rhyming verses. There's a tradition of those in Polish children's literature. And they're very challenging to translate because inevitably, if you're going to keep the style and the rhymes and couplets, for instance, or ABAB rhymes, Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have to change the text. And then it's particularly important to check that your text still fits the pictures. And sometimes the pictures can prompt a good idea for a rhyme that changes the original but works in English. Mm -hmm. And then also you have space considerations as a translator, which is particularly true when the text is in captions. Um, They can be tweaked, but within limits. And occasionally you have to ask the illustrator to make a change to a picture. For instance, when there's foreign text within it on a sign, or there's a detail that won't work in another language, but that's quite an extreme situation. And another thing I find very much is that if I'm translating for a British audience, um, I might not use the same language as translating for an American audience because children's English differs far more around the world than the English used by adults who are obviously more familiar with a range of forms. So there's a lot of things to be aware of. Yeah, wow, it's a lot more than just literally translating the text, isn't it? Oh, yes. And I suppose the puns and wordplay must be really tricky in any specific culturally specific um, jokes or kind of colloquialisms and that kind of thing must also present challenges. Absolutely, very much so. And um, Polish loves wordplay and references that simply won't mean anything. So you often have to be quite imaginative in in just reconfiguring it to produce the same effect, but using what's available to you in English that people will recognise. So what was your favourite part of Oscar to translate? What, which bit did you enjoy the most and why? Oh, all of it. I just really enjoyed trying to give it the right tone of innocent sweetness with just the merest underlying hint of something sinister. For mm. instance, what happens is that Oscar meets, uh, the, the skeleton boy meets a real live girl from the world of the living and Um, who shows him her world and then he leads her into his world which is the world of the dead and he says I took her by the hand and we went the other way in other words into his world and 
it's a short but very subtle text, this one. So I tested out every sentence until I was sure the balance was absolutely right. And it was true to the original. And well, I really adored having the excuse to examine all the illustrations very carefully because mm. there's an awful lot of detail in them that contributes to the narrative. Not just matching the story in the text, but saying so much more. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think the pictures are integral. And as you say, they're so detailed, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. There's such a lot to look at. Mm, no, there really is. It's, it's really beautiful. And we were just talking before we started recording properly about the fact that only a very small percentage of children's books in the UK are actually translations. But you were saying this wasn't always the case. Well, yes, when I was growing up in the 1960s and 70s, there were an awful lot of children's books in translation. And we never really thought of them as different in any way from the ones written in English. We children just accepted them. So we had a diet of Tintin and Asterix and the Moomin Troll books and Pippi Longstocking and Pants Christian Anderson and the Brothers Grimm and Tommy Ungerer and Maurice Sendak. And one of my favourites was the Fatty Puffs and the Thinifers. I, I hope children still read that. <laughs> and as well as lots of British and American books, um, and I think there seemed to be a sort of a lull in the 1990s and, and noughties um, with fewer contemporary children's books appearing in translation, which is a pity because it's really great for children to be familiar with a variety of cultures and to have a range of ideas and images that broaden their world from very early on in life. And... Um, as I said, we didn't necessarily know as children where those books were from or what language they were written in. Um, but they made the wider world familiar to us and they excited our curiosity about it. And I don't think I'd have developed such a passion for languages without being exposed to foreign literature from very early on. Um, and particularly nowadays, I mean, I hate to say it, but our world is showing rather a, an ominous tendency to narrow down and there are some rather ugly political trends that seem geared towards isolating and excluding. And um, that makes me think it's all the more important for the culture available to children to be opening doors and removing barriers and making them familiar with the world outside. And yeah. they'll grow up seeing how much we all have in common, whatever our home culture and um, also, there are just so many great books out there. So who wouldn't want their lives to be enriched by all those amazing stories and pictures and ideas and sheer entertainment? No, I agree. It's lovely because um, you often find that different um, cultures have very different um, visual representations and they have different fairy tales and very different styles. And I think it is great for children to be exposed to as many different ideas and images as they can be as they're developing as readers yes absolutely and Pavel added something here as well he said he said this sort of translation is very good for bringing cultures together for discovering other worlds and other ways of looking at the things that we share and um, he says I'm sure that translation opens readers up to the differences between people and and sensitizes them to them and uh, he think it's he thinks it's similar to what's going on in the story about oscar thanks mm -hmm. to the encounter 
between Oscar and the girl and them getting to know each other, they come to love each other and we can all do that to some extent. <laughs> so Yeah, I hope so. I think books are such a brilliant way of opening up those discussions for children. And often they pick up on those themes very intuitively, don't they? So Yes, absolutely. And they don't judge things. They just pick it up and like it. They're not bothered where it's from. No, you're quite right. But I think that slowly um, some publishers like Lantana are starting to bring more translated titles to the market, which is fantastic. Absolutely. There's, there's something happening, which is great. And I'm thrilled by it, really. No, it is, it, it is brilliant. And um, you were saying that actually um, translators like yourself are integral in bringing these texts to the attentions of publishers. Could you tell us a little bit about um, how you kind of go about flagging up really good stories to Yes, to well, um, uh, this was an exception, this book, because I was actually approached by Alice Curry, who's the founder and owner of Lantana Publishing. And she's one of these visionary young children's publishers who've come up, come, got, gone into action in the recent years. Mm. And um, it's very nice seeing this wave of small independent publishers run by young people with very strong ideas of exactly what they want to publish. Um, and that's starting to change the face of our bookshops, which is great. But um, speaking from the translator's point of view, as a translator of a language that's less known and uh, a less obvious culture that people don't automatically think of. Um, the translator very much has to act, we always say, as an ambassador for the literature. So um, I have to identify books that I think have a good chance of publication on the English language market. And I then try to pitch them to British publishers or American publishers, it is very difficult because those publishers have a great deal to choose from. And they have to be very careful to select things that they can actually sell because they're businesses, they're not charities. Um, but rather than sending summaries and copies of the originals to editors who might be interested, um, I've started preparing PDFs where I simply attach the translated text in comment boxes and then they can assess the entire book and make a decision. And I try very hard to research the specific tastes of individual editors, which is extremely difficult to gauge. But I study their lists on the websites. I think it's very important to pitch books to the right people rather than bombard them with things they're just never going to want. Um, and in fact, a nice selection of Polish illustrated books have appeared in English in the past few years. Partly, I think a lot of it is down to Polish publishers who are making a very good effort to promote their own work and have a very good presence at the Bologna Book Fair, for instance. Um, the, the most obvious success is Maps by Alexandra and Daniel Mijelinski, which was published by a Polish publisher called Dwie Szostry, run by absolutely fantastic person called Jadwiga Jendrias, who's done a huge amount to get Polish children's literature out, not just in Polish, but all around the world. Um, and it's still a lot harder with the middle grade novels mm. because there's still only a very small number of publishers in Britain who will consider them. But um, the interest is growing and there really is a wealth of really good books out there waiting to be noticed. And there are some good sources of information. 
such as the Polish IBBY branch. And as I mentioned before, the Polish stand at the Bologna Book Fair, where they gather some of the main publishers. And it's quite easy for visiting publishers to go and sit and talk to them and look at, look at what they have on offer. And um, I'm very happy always to talk to publishers. So if anybody wants to contact me, they can find me via World Kidlit. Excellent. So you actually play an enormous role in um, bringing books to the attention of, of publishers in the UK, don't you? Well, I try. I mean, I mainly translate adult literature um, and it's always a matter of having enough time. But I also mentor younger translators. And if they're interested in children's books, I show them how to select and pitch books. And so some of them are out there trying to do the same thing. And little by little, we do, we're getting some results, which is great. It's fantastic. Well done. Is there, is there anything that you're working on children's book-wise at the moment that we should watch out for or anything really good that you know is coming up um well um there's um a couple of pavel's recent books that i'm really hoping someone will take an interest in uh there's one that was just published um with he didn't write the text for this one he did the pictures it's called mr stanley flies away mm. and it's an exquisite story about an older gen old gentleman who fills a blow-up mattress with helium and he flies up over the city and he goes higher and higher and he sees not just the houses and the parks but eventually he sees his whole past life going by and then at some point he finds he can fly on his own without the mattress because he's grown a little propeller on his back and there are lots of other figures flying around him that also have these propellers and it's a uh, gentle way of telling a child about the departure of a beloved grandfather figure up to another realm yeah. and um, it's beautifully done and in this case the illustrations are watercolor pictures rather than collages okay. and there's a beautiful set of books that Pavel Pavlak and his wife Eva Kozera have produced um, which are nature guides there are three of them and they're all based on the wildlife in their own suburban garden so there's one with birds, one featuring butterflies, and the third one that they're still working on has is going to have small animals in it. And these books have double-page spreads with information about each creature, with actual photographs, collages, watercolour paintings, and pictures of life-size models of the, of the creatures that they've made. And it is just so amazing and I'm really hoping somebody will pick up on that they sound gorgeous and then um also um Pavel has said something here about something that he's working on mm -hmm. which is that um he's working on another book where he's also written the story as well as producing the illustrations and the main character is a little um female hare and she is doing her best to uh, fight her own fear. She's absolutely terrified of everything. And um, this began from two or three sketches illustrating this character's emotions, her fears, which are prompted just by situations that we would find terribly ordinary. 
so um he's hoping that he can he can um at the moment he's looking for a publisher in poland for it but uh, he says he doesn't know if it'll interest publishers outside poland but we'll see oh well fingers crossed it sounds really brilliant it's just amazing that um these new authors and illustrators just come to light and they've got this whole wealth of work behind them that we haven't seen yes yes people work with and there's lots of very very good illustrators in poland there's a very long tradition of children's illustration and they're right across the generations so there are two eminent gentlemen in their late 80s Josef Wilkon and Bogdan Butenko who are the kind of great grandfathers of Polish illustration and then right across the the generations through to the ones in their 30s there are just the stunning work being produced and um uh, there's a couple of books that uh, were about to come out or have just come out that might be worth, people might want to look out for. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a very beautiful book coming in on the 1st of October, which is called Greek Myths and Mazes. And it's written and illustrated by Jan Beitlik, who's one of the younger illustrators. And it's translated by Zosha Krasodomska-Jones, who's one of my former what we call mentees, because we don't have a better word for a mentor's student. Um, And that's being, that's coming out with Walker books. And it tells Greek myths through puzzles and labyrinths that the reader can, can puzzle out for themselves. And there are lots of these detailed mazes. And again, it's one of those books that has you searching for all the details for hours while without even realizing it, you're absorbing lots of historical and mythological information. Yeah. And then very, quite recently, there was another, there was one of these um, rhyming verse books that came out. And um, this one deserves some publicity, I think. It's called Boom, Boom, Boom. And it's by Przemysław Wechtorowicz. And it has glorious illustrations by Mariana Okleak, who's another of the young illustrators. Uh, it's been published by Scribblers, which is an imprint of Salaria Press. Yeah. And it has these dynamic, brightly coloured pictures. It just It's some gorillas dancing through the world, world, beating their chests and going boom, boom, boom. And it has this simple rhyming text, which um, I'm very pleased to say I translated it. And it's just a, a piece of rousing entertainment with, once again, a great deal of visual detail. And there's just a great joy bursting out of this book. They sound fantastic. I'm going to have to get onto the publishers now and see if I can get hold of them. <laughs> I hope you can. I know, me too. Me too. They sound brilliant. Well, they're um, sometimes well, quite hard to find. So um, it's lovely mm. to be able to tell you tell you about them. No, it's good. And I hope that people listening are inspired to go out and, and find some more as well. Yes, I hope so. I'm sure they will be. You've inspired me, so I'm sure you will have inspired me, anybody who's listening as well. But it is all thanks to these independent publishers like Lantana who are who are just getting out there and finding wonderful books and 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 publishing them. It's 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 the beginning of something very wonderful, I think. Yeah, no, they're doing a really fantastic job of um a whole diverse range of titles aren't they so hopefully they'll continue on i think it's their fifth birthday today actually so i'm hoping they'll continue excellent on from, 
for more than another five years. I'm sure yes, wonderful. Because it is, it's a hard thing to do to run a publishing house and um, keep it going. And, and they're a very impressive outfit. They've got yeah, very dedicated good. people who are very good at their job. So what you need fingers crossed <laughs> yes but no that's it i've come to the end of all my questions so i'm going to say a massive thank you to you for talking to me and to um pavel for answering the questions that i sent you um for him as well yes and it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you thank you so much for agreeing to to come on and chat thank you very much for the opportunity oh no it's my pleasure thank you so I'm going to say thank you again and good evening. Good evening to you. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. If you fancy reading some more titles in translation, I would suggest that as well as obviously checking out the fabulous Lantana Publishing, you also take a look at books from the Pushkin Press. And I think also the Firefly Press have done some books in translation too. But if you're really keen, I would suggest you go and look at the worldkidlit.wordpress.com website for lots more useful links and information. Please do remember that I'm always very excited to give people personal recommendations, whether it's for themselves, for children they know, or for topics they might be doing. So if you have the Anchor app, you can leave me a voice message direct on that. Or you can find me on Instagram or Twitter as at BookSuperhero2. Or you can find me on my blog www.librarygirlandbookboy.wordpress.com Or you can find the Library Girl and Book Boy Facebook group and contact me there. Do get in touch. you enjoyed this week's episode and i hope that you did don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so that you get every new episode as soon as they are broadcast next time i am talking to inclusion expert beth cox and the power thoughts founder natalie costa about their new series of children's books published by be small and um, the series is called level headers and it's a set of books designed at empowering children to tap into the power of their minds and promoting healthy self-esteem building empathy and finding their inner power things which are very prevalent in the education world at the moment so hopefully you'll find it very interesting don't forget to subscribe or you will miss out talk to you next time Bye bye